0: Accounting isn't necessarily an expense, and we as accountants have to be more than an expense. We have to be a return on investment.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go. We are the Accounting Careers Podcast, and I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this show. Well, for today, we have a very interesting guest. In fact, we have the most interesting man in tax joining us for the show. Julio Gonzalez, the founder of Engineered Tax Services, is joining us for the program today, and he is quite the subject matter expert in his field, in addition to being a very successful businessman as well. Early in Julio's career, he had the opportunity to work in the specialized tax area, and he became very knowledgeable in tax credits and incentives, and he realized that this was going to be a great opportunity for him going forward. Fast forward to today, and he has a few hundred employees spread out over many states and also has related entities that help accounting firms with additional challenges they face outside of just the tax credit and incentive areas. You're going to be able to tell from this interview that he really enjoys what he does. He gets satisfaction from being able to make a difference for so many, and he really is an expert in his field. This is a great story about building a specialty, and I learned a lot, honestly, from this discussion because that's an area that I have only heard about, never had experience in. If you personally enjoy and learn a lot from this episode as well, please leave us a rating in your podcast app or write us a review. We always appreciate new ratings. It helps other people find us and and decide to listen in on the show. We just recently got a new rating. I have to read this. It's from Miscellaneous Accountant. I just love that. The best podcast for learning more about what you can do with a career in accounting. Marcus, an excellent interviewer. Aw, thank you. And each episode gives you a slightly different look into what you can do. accounting i really do appreciate reviews like that because it gives us affirmation that we're at least headed in the right direction and it helps other people find us as well so thank you very much to miscellaneous Accountant. and as always if there's anything i can do for you you personally in your own career or accounting organizations that you're involved in please reach out if there's just something you want to talk about in your own career i'm happy to help in any way that I can. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started with the most interesting man in tax, Julio Gonzalez. Hello, Julio. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate being on your show.
1: No problem. Thank you for being here. Well, for the audience, as I've said many times, we get our guests from many different sources. Today's guest, I just happened to cross by chance, but I'm very, very happy I did. Julio Gonzalez from Engineered Tax Services is joining us for today's show. And basically, I came across information on Julio while posting some of our other podcast episodes on social media. While I was doing those posts... I happened to notice Julio's caricature on an accounting humor graphic, basically, and I thought it looked cool, so I commented on it. And that caused me to just happen to click you know, a little further on Julio's profile and see what he did. And I saw the tagline that said, the most interesting man in tax. Now, obviously, being a podcast host, I had to look into that further. I couldn't resist. And I invited him on the show, and obviously he accepted. So this is going to be fun. I think we're all going to learn a lot from this interview. Well, Julio, before we get to the present time and what you do now, let's cover your overall journey. What led you to decide to consider accounting as a possible career choice in the first place?
0: I always thought that whatever my journey would be in business, I felt like it would be important for me to understand the numbers, and understand the finances associated with a company. And that really drove me to pursue accounting. I enjoyed learning about accounting. I enjoyed learning how understanding numbers is vital to any business owner or your own business. And I felt that was just a great fit for me. I enjoyed the journey. I enjoyed learning about our great tax law in our country and applying those principles to business owners and business in general.
1: Okay. So studying accounting really was more because you wanted to be in business, not necessarily to be in the accounting business, but to be in business in general, it sounds like. I just felt like wherever my
0: journey led me, that if I would ultimately love to be a business owner, wasn't quite sure of how I was going to get there. But ultimately, I felt like understanding the bank statements, understanding accounting, understanding tax would be an important asset to have along that journey and finding a way to implement that within my own
1: business. Okay. Okay. How did you get your first job out of college or your first professional work if it was during college? Well, back then in college,
0: I uh, went to work for back then what was considered the big eight firms, right? So we had, now we're down to four big accounting firms or national firms. But back then we had eight. So I was, uh, you know, said ages me a little bit, right? But <laughs> I was fortunate to get an opportunity to work with one of the big eight firms. And it was a great education, a great knowledge base to absorb. So for me, it was A good fortune to have the opportunity to work within one of the big firms and just really learn from that setting about accounting, about audit, about tax, about specialty tax, and learn from not only my peers and from the company, but also from my clients as well.
1: Back then, I know a lot of the positions were more of a mix. It wasn't just audit or just tax or just, like you said, specialty taxes. Was that your experience? Did you get a mix of opportunities while you were there?
0: I did, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, I started an audit, and I got to count trees, cows, pigs, golf balls. <laughs> I got to do a lot of learning and audit. That was a great stepping stone to understanding the numbers and how they tie back to the financial statements and why things may not tie correctly. And so I loved that background. Ultimately, my wife said I had to be home on New Year's Eve. And, you know, an audit, you don't get that opportunity to be home on New Year's Eve or you're out counting somewhere. So at that point, I switched over to tax and learned a lot about tax. And then from that journey, really went into more specialized tax. And the reason I went to specialized tax was because in tax, when you're in the big eight, you're working with big clients, big public companies. But the big public companies would always say, you got to do better. You got our tax to here. Do better. Do better. Do better. So as you're learning, you're reading tax code, you're learning tax law, you're finding You're doing a lot of research. You're trying to find credits and incentives that might ultimately drive their liabilities, their tax liabilities lower. So that's a big part of that learning curve. And you don't learn that from the accounting software, right, or really in the books when you're going through college and then coming into the business. You have to do your research. You have to really understand how to read the tax code and find incentives at the federal, state, and local level to apply to that industry, that client. And as you know, tax code changes all the time. We had four significant tax changes to our code in the last two years. And so you have to stay on top of that. And as code is changing, as we're going through pandemics, you're seeing that there's a lot of local taxes changing, a lot of state taxes changing as well. So you constantly have to be improving yourself, researching for your clients, finding things. You have to be a great hunter. And so I would share that.
1: Okay. I didn't realize you had worked in the big eight. How long were you there more or less?
0: Well, I was there for several years. I enjoyed that learning education. I think it's a tremendous education,
1: but it also,
0: I think set me up for really doing what I wanted to do, which was to uh, be my own business owner. And I think, you know, back then getting to a partnership level in any accounting firm, but especially in the bigger accounting firms was a long journey. Could be a 20 to 30 year journey. And I enjoyed the education, but I didn't want my journey to take 30 years to get to ultimately being a partner. And so I set out to do my own company.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, take us, I guess, through any intermediate steps that there were. After leaving the big eight, did you do anything prior to starting your own company or was that the immediate next step?
0: Yeah, I did. I worked as a controller, CFO for Few companies, you know, I was a resource to them. And what I was doing was working for smaller firms and being an outsourced controller, outsourced CFO. What I was trying to do then was bring the concepts and the tax credits and incentives to small businesses. That we were doing for large public companies and that typically their small businesses and their accounting firms didn't have access to, you know, in the areas of depreciation of real estate and the tax benefits that come with energy efficiency of buildings and research and development tax credits, which is basically a refund of employment labor for innovation in the United States and rewarding great behavior in the United States. So, and there were other work tax credits. And so I saw an opportunity to be more of kind of an outsource controller CFO where I could come in and work with their accounting team and their accounting firms to find more tax incentives, more tax credits, do that research and find incentives for them. And that was very successful. And then I felt that at that point, I should start my own company and really try to be a resource to accounting firms and CPA firms. And so that's what I did. I started my company and I traveled on planes, trains, and automobiles. I knocked on every accounting firm door that I could and hoped that they would allow me to educate them on tax credits and incentives. I realized that 99% of accounting firms were not going to have the capabilities to have engineers, to have scientists, to have the necessary tax attorneys on staff to generate these tax credit and incentive opportunities for their clients. So my goal was to be that resource because Unlike the big eight at the time, most accounting firms were not going to have that kind of access or ability. So that's what I out to do now today. 20 years later, we're a resource to several thousand CPA firms and accounting firms as the resource for specially tax credits and incentives. And we work with them and their clients to highlight the opportunities of real estate, manufacturing, employment, and energy tax incentives and making sure that there are clients are getting these tax benefits so justly needed and rewarded to them for tremendous infrastructure incentives and investments in their communities. And so we've become that resource to them. We've expanded to through acquisitions to also acquire companies that do leadership training for the accounting industry. We also invested in a CRM that is made by CPAs for accounting firms and provides a lot of tax knowledge through the CRM to identify client opportunities through artificial intelligence. And we continue to evolve. I just acquired a work opportunity training credit company that does employment retention credits and work opportunity tax credits. So we just want to continue to evolve to be a resource to the accounting industry and their clients.
1: Wow. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. That's a lot to unpack. When did you start the firm? Because obviously you've come a long way. When did you start the firm?
0: Yeah, I started the firm in 2001. It's an original iteration. So it's evolved today to where we're several hundred employees nationwide. So it's been a great journey. I've enjoyed the journey of having it be one employee being me, then bringing in some family, and then ultimately several hundred employees nationwide. And I've enjoyed the journey very much.
1: Let's walk through some of the milestones, because that is intriguing to me. You don't you know, go from one to several hundred overnight. And <laughs> I'm sure there were some points where you grew by leaps and bounds, and then maybe some slower times as well. You started with just you and then got some family help. How did you get your first clients? Was it overflow from when you were in the big eight, contacts there? Or you mentioned traveling a lot. So I'm curious how you got the business to grow in the early days.
0: I didn't have clients that came from um, my previous job. So it really was starting from scratch. And after six months of knocking on several hundred accounting doors, one of them said, listen, I remember you came in. I'll never forget it. He called me because I was at six months without any income. And he called me and said, look, you you told me about the cost segregation studies to help accelerate my client's depreciation on his real estate. I'd like to engage you and I got a check for $6,500. It was my first client. I'll never forget getting that check. I took a picture of it. I told my wife. I was very excited. And I knew that gave me some capital to continue to grow the company. So that was my first milestone after six months getting a check, getting a client. And then after uh, another 12 months, we took $6,500 to over a million dollars in revenue. So we started to get referrals. I planted those seeds, and they started to grow and come to fruition. And it was a wonderful thing. And really, I grew the company by when I had too much work to do. I would hire an engineer to help me do the studies. And then when I had too much sales coming in, I'd hire another person to help me with business development. And it was one by one by one by one. And it was that kind of journey. My
1: gosh. Gosh. Yeah, I'm thinking about the first six months with no revenue. There's a lesson about sticking to it <laughs> in there. I'm curious at that point, I'm sure there was a relief factor, but did you know going into it that there was going to be a lot of planting seeds in the beginning and, and having to wait or did you just sort of find that out along the way? <laughs>
0: Well, you know, I was certainly hoping that would happen a little quicker. I was getting concerned because I was running through my savings. I had a responsibility to my family. And I was getting to the edge there where I thought, well, maybe I just have to go back into working for an accounting firm. But fortunately, I got that check. That was the biggest milestone of my career was that first check. I'll never forget it. And, you know, it's so fun to know that today, 20 years later, it's still a client of mine. Oh, Uh wow. But... I didn't have any expectations. I just had hope that it would happen much sooner.
1: Okay. So now it sounds like over the years of working with accounting firms that that maybe you've seen other needs they have and gotten into those businesses. Is that where the leadership training and the CRM offering comes from? Or how did those
0: come to be? Yeah, no question about it. I think that, and these were recent acquisitions, so I felt that my accounting firm's you know, they continued to share with me some of the issues that they were having, some of the issues that were hard for them to solve, which was taking their young staff and getting them into leadership, right? And so, and having marketing resources for accounting firms with 20 million and under in revenue, and how do we do marketing in a way that was cost-effective. So I went out and talked to people I knew in the industry about companies that could provide that service. And when I found those companies, they were actually for sale. And so I um, acquired them so that this leadership training that the accounting firms struggle with, we could be that outsource for them. And to the extent that they needed marketing resources, we were that. And then I realized that I needed to buy a CRM firm that was really focused on accounting and had tax information within the CRM tax updates daily so that they could have that resource. So again, it's just been fun to go out to our several thousand accounting firms and share with them some of the new services that we now have that they've been asking about and that we're delivering them so that we really are devoted to them and their growth and their longevity.
1: Wow. You have a big firm. How do you spend your time these days? I mean, what is the typical... Week or month or day, you know, however you would describe that. How do you spend your time
0: within your business? I would say 50% of my time is dedicated to how we can evolve as an employer and what we need to do to be the best in class in an employer. And how do we continue to evolve to treat our employees well? And we've certainly focused on the transition during the pandemic from people working in offices to working remotely. And how does that look? How are we doing? And that's that been a big focus is how do we work with our employees from a distance? And how do we create a culture that still is meaningful to them not being in an office? So that's been a big part of my focus. And I would say the other 50% is helping the collective companies continue to evolve and continue to meet the growing demands of our industry and what can we do from artificial intelligence to continue to help our industry. So I would say it's split 50-50 between our companies and the leadership there and how are we doing with our employees.
1: Okay. I saw in your LinkedIn profile, and forgive me if I'm asking a very basic question, but I'm just ignorant in this area. I saw that it mentions you being recognized for preserving jobs in the United States. Can you tell me more about that? I guess, what is that referring to? Obviously, it's very impactful. So I don't think that most accountants go into accounting because they feel like they can save the world, but it sounds like you are definitely making an impact or have made an impact. So can you tell us more about that?
0: Yeah, and thanks for asking that question. It's my hopefully my legacy. Is that one question right there? And again, if we think of Apple and Microsoft and Google and Amazon, we know that they have access to all these tax credits that are associated with growing employment, creating jobs in the United States. But we know also that 99% of the world does not have access to these tax credits to help retain jobs, grow jobs, and reward innovation in employment here in the country. And we really thought 20 years ago that we were going to be the resource to every accounting firm so that they could have these tax benefits to reward every small business owner, every entrepreneur that was doing the same things that Microsoft was doing, creating jobs, retaining jobs, growing jobs, growing the GDP here in the country through these tax credits, but they didn't have access to it we created that access. And I'll take it one step further because we generate billions of dollars of tax credits a month that allows our small business owners to keep their, their doors open during a pandemic. But not only that, preserve these jobs and coming out of a pandemic, using these tax credits to go hire more people, bring jobs back to their communities. And without these tax credits and without our relationship with their accounting firms, these jobs wouldn't be preserved. We'd lose them. And we do lose a lot of jobs every day here in America because, unfortunately, there's still a lack of awareness now. Hopefully, through your podcast and education, we'll create more awareness and maybe save another job and uh, keep another job open and create more jobs.
1: Why, why is there a lack of awareness? Is there a lack of financial motivation for Professionals to educate the marketplace on this? I mean, is there distraction? What are your thoughts? Well, I think
0: the barrier to access to these tax credits is monumental. What I mean by that is that the real estate tax credits require you to be an engineer, to understand the mechanical, electrical, plumbing systems of a building, right? So, no one at the college and university level goes to school to learn tax and also get an engineering degree. And we don't have programs at any school in the country that teach this biggest tax benefit to the real estate community, which is cost segregation, or the tax credits associated with energy efficient buildings, right? We don't have a course in this country. So there's very few of us in the industry that went to college to learn tax and accounting, and then afterwards specialized in engineering or science to do these tax credits associated with buildings and innovation, right? And so the barrier is so high. So how many of uh, their professions in our country? A few hundred? I mean, that's probably what it is. But us few hundred have to create these tax credits for every small business owner and the awareness. So it'll continue to evolve. Look, I think before there was me, there wasn't really an industry. And now we have an industry and it's grown and hopefully we'll educate more young people that there's a job that you can learn accounting, that you can also learn engineering, you can also learn scientists and be a specialist, right? Well, a lot of people go to med school and become a general doctor, but then they go on to advanced education to be a specialized person. Now, this is a specialized industry, but we just have very few people in it.
1: I can see how you would approach accounting firms, particularly in the earlier days. And since there's so little awareness of what you do, it would sound like something that maybe isn't worth their time or they'd have too many other things to focus on. And so, yeah, I can see how educating <laughs> educating the market becomes a big component of expansion. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because even the accountants out, even the other tax experts out there, aren't familiar with what you're doing. So yeah, that wow, that makes a lot of sense. Or weren't maybe at least. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like your field has has hit the tipping point yet, where there's global awareness, or you know, where it's a common. Well, yes, there's still progress to be made because you're saying there are a lot of barriers. That's very interesting. Very interesting. We
0: have a long road ahead of us. We have probably 40,000 accounting firms that have little awareness, and then, of course, all their related clients that could be benefiting from this but clearly just aren't aware of it. So, yeah, I mean, we have a long journey ahead of us. We have a big education gap, and we have to create that gap. But listen, also, for young people in school and getting ready to come into the industry, you could be a specialist. You could come in and understand accounting and then understand construction, And set yourself apart, right? You could be one of the very few that then can launch into a much different career path. It's
1: true. Well, I do want to hit on that. A large part of our audience is what I call up-and-coming professionals. So, accounting students, you know, people in the first you know few years of their career. And I'm sure a lot of them, plan A is to be basically where you are, (laughs) you know, the owner of an organization with multiple lines of business, hundreds of employees, you know, at some point, what advice would you have? for someone that's starting out their career regarding how to grow a career like this? And maybe this involves looking back on your own. I'm not sure. But you know, what advice would you have for someone earlier on that wants to build yeah. a business like this?
0: Yeah. I would share with them that when you have a million pages of tax code in our country, there are a lot of areas of tax and accounting that you can specialize in. And Most people go into general tax and general accounting, and even that's a big pull and certainly a great journey as well. But when you become specialized and when you find that niche, say, I want to be specialized in tax, but I want to be specialized in real estate tax, or I want to be specialized in manufacturing, or I want to be specialized in tax, tech, finding that specialty and becoming very focused in that and becoming the expert, I think greatly separates you from Your peers and gives you the opportunity. Once you're specialized, you can really do a better job of launching your own business and finding your niche. And I think that's important. I also share with my young staff that today you stand out more by just working a little extra, right? We see that times have changed and it's more work life balance, but those individuals that put in a little extra effort stand out much more than they did 20 to 30 years ago. And I think that helps them also accelerate their career path as well.
1: That's so true. That's so true. This is going way back in the podcast archives, but I had another guest that mentioned the way he got ahead was simply at the end of the day, before he left, when other people were leaving, before he left, he would go to his boss and say, is there anything else I can help with? And so as other people are exiting, he's asking and yeah, it ended up that he'd work an extra half hour a day, sometimes an hour, but he's VP of tax actually now at an organization in my local area. So yeah, just that little bit extra effort makes a lot of difference for sure.
0: I love that you share that because we had a young person, same thing, just ask that question every day, spend a little extra time at the end of the day and two big promotions in one year. Yeah, And it made a big difference, that little extra effort.
1: To go even a little further with this, now that you're saying that, I remember him saying it wasn't so much that, well, it was, it was twofold. First of all, he was helping his boss take care of something the boss needed to take care of, you know, taking a little off his plate. But also he learned so much extra just by taking on that little extra effort short project or whatever it ended up being. So it wasn't just that you look like you're working harder, but also he learned so much more.
0: That's great advice. That really is great advice for anyone.
1: Yeah, that was a good story he told as well. Well, I end every show with the same three questions, and we probably better get to those out of respect for your time. The first one is usually the easier one. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment?
0: My proudest moment was during COVID when... Hmm. We had companies that weren't able to survive yet through these tax credits and incentives and grant programs that we made them aware of. At the last second, they were able to keep their doors open, keep paying their employees. And now we're seeing that they're actually adding. They made it through. And the most difficult time our generation has seen, and I'm so, so proud that We made a difference for so many small business owners during the pandemic.
1: Yes. Yes. This last year, year and a half, it's been a time for accountants really to shine. So, yes. yes. We Mm -hmm. are essential workers for sure. No doubt. (laughs) Well, second question or really a request. Tell us about a lesson that you learned the hard way. And the more you can tell us about the situation, the better, because that's how we all learn from these things.
0: I think that when you're a business owner, an entrepreneur, you learn a lot of things the hard way. And that certainly is part of this uh, evolution when you start your own company. I think the hardest thing for me to learn was that transition from being in a big accounting firm where you're really, as an employee, a number. You're one of many, and it's an up or out philosophy. And the focus is client-centric, not employee-centric. And I think my biggest challenge was shifting my mindset paradigm in the sense that really to me, coming out of that background was, okay, it's the client who's number one, but it took me a long time to realize that it's really the employee who's number one and that you got to invest first in the employee and make sure that they have a culture that allows them to be fulfilled and happy because with that, the client will be happy as well. And that was such a hard challenge for me to uh, change, you know, mentally.
1: Yes, that makes a lot of sense. I I feel the same way. I feel like if you take care of your team, the rest will pretty much take care of itself. (laughs) When you're the owner, if you're taking good care of your team, then everything else sort of seems to work out. Very true, very true. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What's the best piece of advice that you have ever received?
0: Well, I think the best advice I ever received was that accounting isn't necessarily an expense and we as accountants have to be more than an expense we have to be a return on investment and that just is something that always resonated with me that if we know the code well and we really do our research you know and our clients are paying us 100 an hour whatever that fee is we actually because of our knowledge can return that and pay for ourselves and add a return by simply knowing the code, investigating in the code, finding the grants, the incentives, the tax benefits that can help our client beyond the expense, right? And just not being a reporting accountant, not being someone that just repairs reports, but to also find those incentives. So I encourage everyone that we can change our mindset to think of ourselves as an investment, not an expense.
1: Very true. That's something I hear just as a theme throughout your career is, yes, you've worked hard, but you've also been very cognizant of the impact that you've been able to make. And it's not just about the hours, but it's about, it's about the impact you know, that you're having for your clients. So true. Well, thank you, Julio. This has been an education for me as well. i really enjoyed this interview. When I invited you, honestly, I knew you had a specialty, but I didn't realize how deep you had went into that specialty and and how much you had expanded your organization. As a business owner myself, I've really (laughs) enjoyed this conversation. I know our audience will as well. Thank you so much for spending the time with us. Well, I've enjoyed it as well, and I've learned a lot as well during
0: getting to know you as well, so I thank you as well. Thanks
1: again. Well, that was my interview with the most interesting man in tax, Julio Gonzalez of Engineered Tax Services. Every once in a while, I interview a guest whose area of specialty is something that I know so little about that I'm just along for the ride. I'm just asking questions along the way, and I am learning along the way. Sometimes without a roadmap, it's very interesting. It's a little bit challenging to do interviews like that, but it's very fun because I learn so much during the process, and I hope you did as well. Julio shared a lot with us today and in particular his time. He was relatively easy to get on the show and I really appreciated that. Thank you very much, Julio. Well, that wraps up another episode of Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. And I know I say this at the beginning and I know I say this almost all the time at the end, but seriously, if there's anything I can do for you in your own career, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm happy to discuss things over the phone. I'm happy to have conversations via email, whatever's easier for you. Just search for me on LinkedIn under Mark Goldman CPA and I'll pop right up. Well, that wraps it up for another episode. We'll see you all next time. After all, this is Where Accountants Go.